So Lord, we just thank you that, uh, thank you that we can press into uh, how you want to work in our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are at work. And we just continue to say yes to what you want to do in our lives, in our church. I pray that uh, whatever barriers there might be to us growing into a more intimate relationship with you, I pray that you would reveal those to us and that you would just help us to step beyond them. And that this year ahead, would, uh, we would experience things in you that are good and that are life-giving and that are um, deep and that are uh, freedom-bringing. We, uh, we just long for a, a greater intimacy with you, Lord, and we thank you we can trust you to take us there. I pray that as we look at your word this morning, that Holy Spirit, you would open our eyes and our hearts to what you want to say. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Gifts of the Spirit, question and answer. I, I said, uh, we, we invited you a number of weeks ago, and, and so um, uh, last week I said it was the last week in our series on the gifts of the Spirit, and it was, uh, but then there's some questions and answers that I want to address this morning. So it's just going to be a little bit different this morning, and um, perhaps a little bit shorter in our time in the Word, but um, we said to you, what are some questions that you have about the gifts of the Spirit? We have been camped in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, since uh, probably since November, early November. And uh, so you may have some questions that have come to mind uh, over the course of this. So I just want to just put up the first question that we'll, we'll have a look at. And um, it says, uh, this was what was written. When you have the gift of tongues, so we, we looked at that last week, there are moments in a corporate gathering where the Holy Spirit uh, will give someone a message in tongues. It's meant to edify the body, to, to encourage us. Uh, are you supposed to have the interpretation as well? Where is the person that has that gift? And what happens if God doesn't give that, the interpretation, to you, to the person who gave the message? Are you out of order? And so I think the question is just really getting at that, uh, that, that thought of, I don't want to be out of order. There's, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, and, and 13, 14 was written because there was a church that wasn't really operating in the gifts of the Spirit in a way that was helpful or useful. And Paul needed to say, let's take a look at how, how these gifts can be used in a way that's actually beneficial. And so, yes, we don't want to be out of order, so to speak. And so the question is, if I am used in that way, if the Holy Spirit puts a message on my heart that, that I give in, in another tongue, do I need to have the interpretation as well? Um, what if I give a message in tongues and there's no interpretation? Does that mean that I was out of order? that I was wrong. And, and, and a question as well um, that, that is embedded in that is, does the person that gives the message in tongues have to have the interpretation as well, or does it need to be someone separate? And is it wrong if the person gives the, the message and the interpretation? Is that out of order? So I want to just look at, at a couple of scriptures that we covered last week. Um, first of all, just to say, um, in, in answer to this question, that you know, exercising uh, the gifts of the Spirit is, is a step of faith you don't know if there's going to be an interpretation. And that's really not up to you. You're to pray for it, as we'll look at Scripture. Um, but it really is a step of faith to say, you know, I really feel as though there's this message that the Holy Spirit's given me, and I'm just going to take that step of faith, and I'm going to give it. We also need to understand that there's that discernment of knowing. Uh, is this really for now? Is this really a message for the body? Or is this just me wanting to, to express myself to the Lord in my prayer language? We need to ask for discernment. Um, and so there's that element as well. Um, but this is what Scripture says, 1 Corinthians 14, 5. We'll look at the next slide. 
It says, he who prophesies, and we, we read this last week, he who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may be edified, built up, encouraged. So what Paul is saying is, you know, prophecy is more beneficial, a, a prophetic word is given in a language we can understand, Paul's saying that's more beneficial to the church than if someone just gives a message in tongues and then it's left there. We don't know what the interpretation is. And, uh, so, so prophecy is, is, is beneficial and so is a message in tongues as long as it is interpreted. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, 13, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he says. So I think if you are used in that gift, um, that you would just be praying that God would give the interpretation. And I think there's room for both scenarios where the Holy Spirit may give you the message in tongues. And, and the list in 1 Corinthians 12 says, to some he gives uh, tongues and to some he gives the interpretation. So that would say, I would, I would think at some times there would be the message and then the interpretation to different people. But as well, as we study this a bit further, I don't think it's out of place that the person that gives the message in tongues would also be given the interpretation at times, and so they would also be the one that interprets that message. And so I think there's room for both those scenarios. I have heard people say that uh, if the person gives the message in tongues and they interpret that they're out of order. It has to be two different people. I don't see that in the scriptures that we're looking at. And so I hope that helps to answer that question. Whoever put that forward is uh, operating the gifts of the Spirit is a step of faith. You're, You're putting yourself out there. And it's intimidating in this kind of a setting. And that's why I encourage you to be part of a small group because in that smaller setting, I think we have more freedom to, you know, to take some steps of faith and, and, to, and to, in that smaller setting, just exercise the gifts of the Spirit. And as you grow in that setting, then perhaps you'd feel more free to operate in the gifts of the Spirit in this setting. So again, you know, here, here's another plug from the pastor for life groups. Right? <laughs> uh, I hope you catch the heart of it. Sitting in rows on a Sunday doesn't accomplish a, a vast majority of what it means to really walk with someone spiritually. And so we're not going to throw out this model of coming together and gathering, but would you find other ways to grow as well? And that would be in a small group. Uh, another question that came, and there's a few, a few more here that actually bring us back to uh, questions about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so a couple of questions that, that we'll look at. Here, why is the baptism in the Holy Spirit so important? And what is it meant to accomplish in us? Why is it so important and what is it meant to accomplish in us? We did take a Sunday near the beginning of our series just to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And if you would remember, I had a table here with three, uh, three jars on it and, uh, and, and with, with, with blue liquid in it, just representing uh, the different context of the, of the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. The moment that you put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. There's that, there's that immediate restoration of relationship with God. And so you have the work of the Holy Spirit in your life the moment you put your faith in Christ, that he is now active in your life. There's that restored relationship. In fact, he was active in drawing you to God and in helping you to understand you needed Jesus. And then there's, uh, there's that secondary experience that uh, is called the baptism in the Holy Spirit where there's, there's a, a, a fuller experience. There's something more that's added. And that's a moment of simply surrender. That's a moment of seeking uh, a relationship with the Holy Spirit that, that, is, that has a depth to it uh, that, is, that is deeper than your conversion experience uh, with the Holy Spirit. 
And so, why is that important? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is Jesus speaking. I have it there for you. Jesus said, this is why it's important. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I want to I just um, maybe take some context around that verse, but before I do that, how many of you read this verse and think missionary? I do. And so how many of you read that verse and think, not me? You know, we can be tempted to think that. This verse is you. <laughs> it, it, it does speak about going to, um, to different nations and sharing the good news of Jesus. But when Jesus said to his disciples, wait for this experience in the Holy Spirit, he wasn't just uh, saying, you know, if you're called to be a missionary then you, you're really going to need this. You know, you're going to need a, a deep experience with God out of which um, you have this, this, this life of God flowing through you so that you can, you can share that with others and see their lives transformed. If you're going to be a missionary, you know, seek this experience in the Holy Spirit. No, <laughs> this, this is for everyone. This is, this is part of that banqueting table, right, that I, that I talked about, how this is the fullness that God would want us to step into in, in our walk with him. And so it is important because... It's through that experience in the Holy Spirit that we receive the power for, for life and for mission and for, and for God's purpose for our lives. You know, Jesus, to give you some context around this, when Jesus shared this with his disciples and said, wait for this experience in the Holy Spirit, uh, it was after his resurrection, and Scripture says, actually, let's read it, Acts chapter 1. Um, let's, uh, let's go there. It's better than me just trying to capture it for you. Acts chapter 1. And we'll read verses 1 down to um, verse 12, because this will give you the context of, of when Jesus gave this instruction to his, his disciples to say, wait for this experience. Just give you a second to get there. Acts chapter 1, start at verse 1. So this is Luke that writes the book of Acts, and he also is the same Luke that wrote the gospel of Luke. He says this, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do. He's referring to the book of Luke. All that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After Jesus' suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you going at this time to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. So this was actually the last 
uh, instruction that Jesus gave to his disciples. And then this incredible moment happens where the disciples literally see Jesus begin to, to ascend into heaven and out of their sight. And so, you know, you and I would have the same reaction. They're standing there probably with their mouths gaping open, you know, just, just staring at this. Wow, Jesus, we just saw you ascend into heaven. You've given this instruction. And so some angels have to come and say, hey, guys, snap out of it. <laughs> um, there, there's, there's something that God wants to do in your life. And so let's move on from this moment. But what Jesus made clear is that he was going to be returning in the same way. So we live between Jesus return to heaven, and his eventual second return to earth to establish the kingdom of God where, where history as we know it is going to come back under the order that God intended it to be when we look back at the garden. And so what, did, what do we need to live in that time period? We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need an intimate, alive relationship with God so that we can live the life that he's called us to. And so that's why it's important for us to have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's because he, he wants us to, to uh, be witnesses of what we are experiencing. He wants us to experience the life of Christ in us in such a deep way that we, out of that experience, can begin to share with others, this is what God can do in your life. This is, this is the power of God that you can experience. This is the freedom from fear that God can bring in your situation. This is the peace that you can walk through life experiencing because of what God wants to do in you, because God wants to have an intimate relationship with you. And so a witness is someone who shares something of what they've experienced. And so that promise is, is not just for the disciples. That, that promise in Acts chapter 129 reminds us that the promise of this experience in the Holy Spirit is for you today. It's for all of us. And why? So that we could live out of this place of, of deep intimacy with God, experiencing his power in our lives, experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so I hope that brings some clarity to that question as well. And that's why... That's why we just believe in that experience as Pentecostals where we just, we just believe that there is that moment, that experience with the Holy Spirit that's something additional, that's something empowering, that's something that we are to expect and to seek for and to seek after. And so I want to I just close with, with a few thoughts about how to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So, so we've talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. As a Pentecostal church, you know, we come back to that fairly often but it's something that, that you receive. It's something that you seek after. It's something that, that God wants you to experience. And really, it's, it's two things. If, if we can just briefly look at this, and then we're going to close. But receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a step of faith. It really is a step of faith. I want to just share with you that, that experience, as I experienced it, as a, as a boy of about 13 or 14 years old. I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And uh, so we were still in Thailand at the time, um, and it was Christmas. No, it was summer, sorry. There's two times a year we would go to the beach for a week, and, and one of those times was at Christmas, and one of those times was in the summer where we'd go to, um, to a camp down on the Gulf of Siam, beautiful setting. Um, and so we were at this, at this camp uh, on this particular summer. I was there with a group of maybe you know, 25 other MKs. MK just stands for missionary kid. I don't think they refer to missionary kids that way anymore. Uh, it's more sophisticated now. Now you're a third culture kid. So I was just an MK. I was just a missionary kid. Um, and so there was about 25 other uh, 
you know, peers there um, around my age, we had a great week together. And it, we had, each night we had a gathering where we would just, we would just take time to have, um, to have this time as young people to, to worship God, to, to just begin to seek Him. And it was at one of those gatherings where I remember I was sitting there. I don't even remember what the, what the speaker was speaking on. But there, there was this sense of anticipation in me. I could hardly stay in my seat because I just, I had a hunger to respond to, to the invitation that, was, that I knew was coming at the end of that service. And, and, and so I did. And as soon as you know, the pastor said, if, if you want to just seek for more of God, come. And, and I was one of the first ones there. And I remember just experiencing this, this moment with God that was, that was so significant and, and experiencing his presence and then I, I began to speak just in one syllable. For, so for me, as, as I experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's just one syllable. And I just began to speak it out. And, and you know, that, that's a step of faith. You know, some people, th- I think, have this, this conception that when we come and we seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that is, it's going to be an out-of-control experience. You will have no choice in the matter. All of a sudden, you're just going to be speaking a language that you don't know and, and you're not going to be able to help it. You, know, you can't bite your tongue and just stop. It's, you're out of control. That, that's, not, that's not how it, it happens. The Holy Spirit will never, will never force you into anything. He's given you choice and he will maintain giving you that choice even in experiencing him in deeper ways. You have a choice to seek and to receive. And so I just had one syllable that I began to say. And I, and I remember um, thinking to myself, like, you know, one syllable? Like, you know, maybe, maybe this, isn't, this isn't the baptism in the Holy Spirit after all. And, you know, if you've, if you've ever experienced doubt, uh, one of the doubts that you probably have experienced is around that moment of receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I went through that just wondering, was that, did I really experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit? But you know what I did? I just began to, by faith, began to use that one syllable at, at just communicating to God. And, and as I exercised my prayer language, one syllable, it began to grow. And, um, and I began to just, just exercise by faith that prayer language and, uh, and experience the blessing of that. And so you may have a misconception that by seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit, um, that it, it's just you're going to be out of control. Who likes to feel like you're out of control? I don't. And, and there's that element of surrendering to the Holy Spirit. But I just want to encourage you that if, if that's a bit of a misconception, just, just be reminded that it is a step of faith that you can take and you can just begin to seek and, and you can begin to take that step of faith of seeking for that experience with the Holy Spirit. It's also a matter of trust and that is just a trust that that the Holy Spirit will, will give you something good. You know, there is this fear that I've, that I've heard before that if I really open myself up to the things of God, I might get something evil instead. You ever wondered that thought where if I, really, if I really let down my guard, if I really open myself up to, to, the, to the things of God, perhaps the enemy will use that opportunity to, and I'll, and I'll have an experience that is actually not from God but from the enemy. I, w- I want to encourage you again. You know, what does Scripture say that um, those who seek the Holy Spirit, it's, it's like a father who, someone comes to him, his son or daughter, and says, you know, can I have, can I have something good? Can I have some sustenance, an egg? And the father's not going to give him a scorpion, right? Something that's, that's harmful. Jesus, I think, knew that, that we would have some of these struggles around experiencing the things of God and specifically 
the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so it's a matter of trust. It's just really trusting that as you seek God for the good things that he has for you, that you can just trust and know that he's going to give you the good things that he intends for you. So there, there, there probably is that barrier of fear in coming to this topic of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There may be that misconception that, that it's just about me being out of control. Uh, but no, it's, it's about you coming and seeking and surrendering uh, to a deeper experience of the Holy Spirit and trusting God in that. It really is just about having a deeper hunger for, for an intimacy with God. And that's what it was for me as, as a you know, 13, 14-year-old boy. It's just saying, God, I, I am hungry for more of you. And, and if the baptism in the Holy Spirit is an experience that I find in, in your word that will, that will just bring me into a deeper place of experiencing you in my life, then that, I want that. And I'm going to seek after that. I don't want to just live my life uh, without experiencing the deep things that you have for me. So I want to encourage you that if you're seeking for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that, that it really is a step of faith and it really is a matter of trust. I want to just close with this story um, of a pastor that was that was very closed to the gift of the Holy Spirit in, in terms of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He had, he had grown up in a context where this was actually spoken against. And so he had received years uh, of these thoughts that, that kind of went like this. You know, that was for the, the early church, but it's not for you today. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not for us today. God has really ceased to do that type of work through his Holy Spirit in our day and age. And so... He began to, um, he, went, he started going to a, a church actually and, uh, and began to receive some teaching on the baptism in the Holy Spirit and, and really turned from a, a skeptic to a seeker. Began to hunger for that experience with the Holy Spirit because he, he just began to realize that, wow, you know, the more I read God's word, the more I'm believing that it is for us today. That the Holy Spirit still wants to do that work in our lives to empower us and to, and to bring us to a deep place of intimacy with him. And so he began to seek for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, he and his wife. There was, there was one uh, teaching session where at the end of that, they were invited to seek for that experience. So he and his wife went up, and, uh, and his wife received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. She began to speak in another tongue. She received what we find in Acts chapter 1, but he didn't. And he said, you know, his male ego was a little pricked. Um, uh, he just had to deal with that. He needed to. Good thing. He went home and, and began to, you know, just continue to seek after it. Uh, a couple of weeks went by, and, and his, his wife was just uh, growing in, in, this, in this experience, and, and he could see some immediate growth in her spiritually, and he, he kind of was starting to wonder, okay, what's wrong with me? But he just continued to seek. One morning, they were getting ready to go to church, and his wife had this funny smile on her face. He knew that something was up. And so, you know, they were getting ready, and finally he said to her, he said, What's that smile about? You know, you've got this funny smile on your face. And she said, well, I'm not sure if I want to tell you. You might be embarrassed. He said, well, you know, I want to know. <laughs> I'm curious. So she said to him, I woke up in the middle of the night, last night, and you were speaking in tongues in your sleep. And he said, what? He said, yeah, you were speaking in tongues in your sleep. And, uh, and so he was puzzled by this. And he thought, God, why, why would that happen to me? Why, why receive in that way? And, and he came to the conclusion that he had, his mind had, such, had built up such a resistance to this experience because of all the negative teaching that he had had that there was actually a barrier that was still there to receiving this experience. And so he actually had to wait till he was asleep and his spirit began to just communicate with God 
in this way, right? It's our spirits that communicate to God. Uh, and so he, he went to his pastor and he said, you know, the weirdest thing happened. I received that, my prayer language, that gift of, of um, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but it was in my sleep. Have you ever heard of this happening? And uh, his pastor just kind of smiled and he said, oh yeah, that's often the way it happens with hard-headed people. <laughs> he said, I wasn't sure if that was supposed to make me feel good or, or make me feel worse. And he said, uh, so his, he said, well, what do I do now? And so his pastor said, you know, I just, just continue to, uh, to seek God for that prayer language to be evident in your waking hours, right? Not just when you're sleeping. How many of you think, God, that's how I want to receive it? Yep. Alone, at night, in my bed, sleeping. That would be good. <laughs> he knew that he needed to start to exercise his prayer language because of the, the benefits that we talked about last week. And so his pastor said, you know, take some time this week to just get alone with God, you know, put on some worship music and just begin to praise God. Just begin to praise God. And, and he did. And, and, and it was in those moments that he began to exercise his prayer language. And, and uh, he said it was kind of anticlimactic. I thought there would be a lot more feeling, you know, emotion to it. And he said, I was kind of disappointed, actually. It felt kind of anticlimactic to me. But, but he just began to continue to exercise his prayer language in his times of prayer with the Lord. And then he began to notice that there were moments when he, he began to experience a power in those moments and a, and a movement of the Holy Spirit in him in a way that was new, in a way that was fresh, in a way that brought him to a, a, just a deeper experience of God's power and presence in his life. But what did he have to do? He had to take a step of faith. And then he had to exercise his prayer language as a step of faith. And it's not always about the feelings. And sometimes that's what we struggle with too is, you know, it, is it just going to be a big emotional experience and, and, um, and then that'll be it. And, and so I think there's some things around the baptism of the Holy Spirit that I just wanted to mention this morning. Um, you know, you, if, if you're someone that tithes, chances are you don't get a big emotional experience every time you give to the Lord, right? <laughs> but, but why do you do that? It's a principle that you know God blesses, right? And so it's a step of faith. God, I'm going to begin to get back to you a tenth of what you've given to me because I know it's a principle that you bless. It's not because I get a nice, warm, gushy feeling every time I give my, my tithe to you, but it's because I know it's a principle that you bless. And I think it can be the same with seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit where it's an experience that God wants us to experience. And it's a matter of faith. It's a matter of just taking a step of faith and of, of trusting God that if that is something that he's, he's said in his word that is a gift, that is something good, if you have not yet received that experience, I just encourage you to continue to seek for it. And you may receive it in the, in the privacy of your bedroom, in, in a time of worship with the Lord. That may be when you receive it. You may receive it in a setting where you've responded to, to a, a response just to seek God. You may receive it then. But don't, be a, don't settle for crackers and cheese. You know, let, let's just continue to to press into the good things that God has for us. Let's be a church that says, God, we want to experience a dimension of your power and your presence that you want us to experience. We're not content just to fill time and, 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 to, and to just you know, stay on the surface of what it means to serve God. No, we want to we experience all that you have for us, God. We're hungry for a greater measure of your work in our lives and for the Holy Spirit. So we're going to ask that you'd stand this morning and uh, is Stephanie here still? Um, I'm just going to ask that she'd come back. And, and I want to just uh, just close with prayer and, and just a few moments of worship. 
this morning. And I just believe that the Holy Spirit is, is stirring some hearts here today and maybe just bringing you to just a, a new place of hunger um, for the Lord, a hunger to walk in, in those places that we read about in Scripture, a hunger to know an intimacy with God that he intends you to know. And uh, Stephanie, can you come ahead? We're just going to have just a few minutes of worship before we close. And so I encourage you this morning just just to take a few minutes before you go. Would you take a a few minutes just to reach out to God this morning and just just to affirm uh, maybe verbally, maybe just in your own prayer to God, just to affirm that desire that you want to continue to grow. That maybe you realize you've settled for the crackers and cheese and because maybe that's what your comfort zone is and you're not really interested in, in opening up any more to God than you already have. Would you reconsider? Would you reconsider? God is, uh, God is a good God. He, he knows the things that he wants to do in your life. He knows the depth of relationship that he wants us to experience. So Steph, why don't you lead us in, and let's just worship for a few minutes before we go. And if you want, um, during our time of worship, if you want to come and find a place to pray, if you want to just kind of be on your own, just find a place to kneel, pray. If you want someone to pray with you, just come and stand, and we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to just agree with you about what God wants to do in your life, uh, what Holy Spirit wants to, to bring to you today. Let's just take some time to worship.